Hey, howdy ho. This is the Restoration Basics, the preparatory podcast. My name is Samuel Jordison. I'm coming to you after a long hiatus. I'm joined with two of my very good friends. I'll let them introduce themselves. Andrew Smith. And Jason Kane. Jason Kane. And we are going through the chapters of the Book of Mormon and going over them with what they teach, what they share, and trying to apply it to our lives and and what new insights we get out of them each time we read them. And it has been a long time. Feels like we're on the Avatar schedule where we take a six-year hiatus and then come back in. (laughs) Our lives have changed a lot. Yeah, our lives have changed a lot. A bit. Yeah. Since the last episode, you've heard... uh, I think in the last episode, everyone was married. I think. I, th- I think so, yeah. yeah. But that one hasn't even been released. Exactly. But- there's there's going to be <laughs> new episodes released very soon after each other that are, are all going to be at least eight months apart. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, no new life event this time, except... Well, for, well I, actually, no, I lied. I'm now a dad, so that's a different thing, too. Yeah. Yeah. Time jumps. So, yeah. I can't remember now what's I know, been it, released and what hasn't. I, don't e- I really don't either, so... Jason's a dad. Um, hopefully, th- we release another episode before one of else else is a dad. But <laughs> it will happen. Today is January second, and twenty twenty three. In case we take another long hiatus, <laughs> <laughs> and just for the record. that is a New Year's resolution <laughs> for yeah. us to put out more content. And last time we left our heroes, uh, we are in. Alma chapter four. And so today we're going out over Alma chapter five. um, And I hope that everything makes sense with our past recordings and then today's recording. So does anyone want to go over what exactly happens, like brief synopsis on what happens in chapter five? Alma gives another sermon. Ooh, what a guy. Continuation. He's been preaching for a while and he just keeps going. But this is with a new group, right? Right. People of Gideon. Yep. And people of Gideon are actually good, good on the right path, as we'll find out. But I, I guess we'll, as we get back into the swing of things, it's going to be a little bit awkward because we have to think of how we used to do things. But um, Alma comes to the people and begins to preach, um, and he tells them a little bit about what's been going on with the other people he's he's spoken to recently. And as he gets to the people of Gideon, he tells them that he really hopes that they are on the right path and established in righteousness. And he also hopes that they didn't have to get to that place by going through a lot of tribulations and sorrow that the other cities have had to do um, because God has brought them back into his presence by kind of sharpening them and allowing them to go their own way before they step on thorns and run back to him. Uh, But this is a little bit of what he he talks to them about. Um, the first thing that stuck out to me when I was reading this is in verses 14, but just to give you a little back story, I'll read starting um, 11. It says, I trust that you are not lifted up in the pride of your hearts. Yea, I trust that you have not set your hearts upon riches and the vain things of the world. Yea, I trust that you do not worship idols, but that ye do worship the true and living God and that you look forward for the remission of your sins with an everlasting faith which is to come. And we know that the Book of Mormon is very clear that the people of Nephi knew to what they were sacrificing and following the law of Moses for, and it was for that remission of sins that was to come. They were very 
um, knowledgeable about that from the beginning with Nephi having his interpretation of the vision and teaching his children and his family's children that Jesus was the what they were looking for. It says, For behold, I say unto you, there be many things to come, and behold, there is one thing which is of more importance than they all. For behold, the time is not far distant that the Redeemer liveth and cometh among his people. And I love that because with all the prophecies and stuff they had, there's obviously one focus. But I wanted to ask you, do you think it's important for us to switch that around and say there was one thing that was more important than this all that Jesus came already and died for us and he loves us? Or do you think, I guess there's two ways to look at it and doesn't have to be an either or, or should we be focused on the fact that Jesus is coming again and that he liveth and is going to come among his people and we can dwell with him? Do you guys have any thoughts? It's a good question. I, 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 yeah, I tend to agree that there's probably not an either or, but I mean, uh, maybe as an individual on an individual basis, I mean, uh, the, the past does, um, help us, but it, it, uh, it's not because of our actions, you know? And, mm-hmm. and so we can look to the, to the future with hope. And that is what should motivate us. I think, I don't know. They're equally important. Yeah. I think there's a baseline, especially like with, you know, witnessing to others where, um, I do think the past is where you start. Um, I think when you are introducing the gospel to someone, the gospel is the good news. And the good news is that Jesus did die for us and that um, we have that grace if we, you know, accept that gift uh, through, you know, baptism and uh, becoming a part of the kingdom of God. And so I think if you start with that, then you can kind of just, you know, go along the timeline of, Hey, and he's going to come again and we, we have to be ready. And, you know, I, I personally don't believe that there's a whole lot of, you know, like physical things that we can do to get ready for, you know, Christ's return, but there's infinitely large amounts of things to do uh, with our spiritual lives. And I think that with that, um, we really do. And, and this sermon goes along the same lines of you do need to repent and you do need to, um, you know, be able to stand blameless before God. And that doesn't mean you haven't done anything wrong. It just means that you have, you know, accepted that gift of grace and that you're repenting. Yeah. I like Jason's answer. So I'm going to amend mine a little bit. So rather than thinking of them as two different options, honestly, the gospel, like Jason said, is that Jesus came and died for our sins and that he will come again. And I don't know if it's right to separate them. And so, you know, I mean, I, I, I kind of like thinking of it that way. You know, we, we miss so much, not just as the restoration, but uh, as people, we miss a lot by taking little bits of truth and ignoring the, the rest. Um, and, I, and I don't have a particular example for you, you know, but um, I, I could make one up. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Car runs on orange juice. And, uh, right. <laughs> Shout out to the OG listeners. Um, boy, that was, those were the days. Yeah. But, you know, like, it, it's, I don't know. Uh, 
I, I yeah. like the, that idea of, of them being the same, the same truth and, and looking forward to it, you know, is, is we're just happening, happening to be in the middle of it. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what like the gospel is the good news. And then it's really hard to say the fullness of the gospel is even more good news, you know, cause it's hard to, if someone comes in with the knowledge that the good news is that Jesus came and died for me. Yes, that's the best news that anyone could have heard that your sins can be forgiven and that you can come back to God. Like, what else? Any anything more? You're just trying to sell me on something that doesn't need to be sold. But the good news, fullness, is that He's coming back and we can be with Him now. Like, we don't have to wait to uh, on Earth. experience. Yeah. yeah, and so yeah, I, yeah, it was question that I tossed in there, but I think your guys' answer is better than anything I could have formulated on that idea that we're coming to a point where he did come and he, uh, what's it say exactly? He, he lived and he came among his people and he blessed them and he died. Um, but he's wanting to do that again and he will do that again. And how exciting is that because of how wonderful the gift was the first time that he, what he did when he accomplished, when he came and it's going to be even just as good when he comes a second time, even though that second time rests on what he did the first time. Kind of to expand on something you're saying, Sam, um, not even expanding, but asking a question. When we're talking about the fullness of the gospel, um, you know, I've been looking at a lot of different people that aren't in our church, um, you know, popular people or whatever, talking about um, maybe Mormonism or kind of cousins of the restored gospel and when they hear the fullness of the gospel they immediately come to mind that it's a new gospel and it's different Mm. and it's being revealed to um you know people and that we're saying that the you know bible is not valid or anything because we have the fullness but no i i want to when we say the fullness what what do you all mean i well i'll go on a step out and say that it's possible to understand the gospel this isn't even a reach i don't think it's possible to understand the gospel and when i say the gospel what we consider the fullness of the gospel if you had just a prayer in your heart and god chose to reveal it unto you it's also possible to understand the fullness of the gospel if you had the old testament and the new testament and the bible now, it's going to be hard to get there, I think, and there's going to be some wobbling stuff, but the Book of Mormon just makes everything clearer. So, I think the analogy that I would, not analogy, the example I would use is there's some guys out there that are righteous people, um, and this is is like the Bible Project is out there and they have PhDs and they have devoted their life to like Hebrew study and everything about the Bible. And they've come to the conclusion that the story of the Bible is about God wanting to dwell back with us in the same sense that Eden was, where we're walking alongside him. They have that because they have devoted their lives. They have PhDs and doctorates and Hebrew and theology, and they were able to get there. Whereas 99% of people who grew up in the restoration movement already knew that they didn't have you know there's just like mm-hmm. oh i just read the book of mormon and that <laughs> then i'm yeah. good so i don't know if that answered your question but 
mostly like it's not a new gospel. It's a clarification over things that have been muddied, but that you could still understand in the Bible. It's just like a, for lack of a better term, it's a cheat sheet for <laughs> for what you what you need. And do you have any way to fix my answer? To I, I build won't, off it, I won't fix it. I'll probably stay away from it because if I try to touch it, it'll fall apart. Um, not that it was flimsy or anything. I I, I got what you were saying, but. Um, you asked the question and it made me think of the old trope about, uh, you know, like, oh, there's 10 men, 10 blind men around an elephant, each touching a different part. And you ask them what the elephant looks like. And they say, oh, it's, you know, they're touching its its leg and they go, well, it's big and round and a little rough. And one's touching the trunk and it's like smaller and round and a little bit more tender. And then the tail and it's like totally different, you know, and, and, Honestly, when you look at the landscape of Christianity, it's often how how that seems. It's it's like, well, describe to me what Christianity is, and and some group says, yeah, it's love, you know, and yeah. and that's what it looks like to them, and and to others, it's like, yeah, it's sacrifice, and and yeah, it's devotion, and yeah, it's time consuming, and yes, it's all of those things, and I think the Book of Mormon so perfectly ties all that together. The one way that I've explained it over um, when we've gone to Kenya before is that they, they've they struggled with that same question and is like, why do we really need the Book of Mormon? I mean, if everything that we need is in the Bible, like we've kind of said, then what, what, you know, even if it's good, why do we need it? And, and I think it, uh, a, a pretty easy answer goes back to um, the time of Abraham where he's dealing with God and God is dealing with him. And um, he makes that promise to Abraham that says, hey, I'm going to be your God and you're going to be my people, you know. And and uh, as their family grows, it starts to split and splinter. And just because they split and splinter doesn't mean that God decides that his promise is void to Abraham. And so he deals with the splintered people, you know, he deals with his splintered family. And the, the reason I bring that up is, is um, the Book of Mormon is part of that God dealing with his splintered family. But I really think it's hard for a Christian to be consistent in believing that God is true to his promises if you don't believe it, sorry, I, I think it's difficult for you to be consistent if you believe that God only deals or only dealt with the people in Jerusalem at the time of Jesus and uh, a little, you know, like the people of David and in Jerusalem and, and all the way to, uh, you know, the the people around Paul's time. Um, I just, it just doesn't make sense to me. And so the the gospel being one word of, of love, well, the fullness of the gospel is the fullness of God's love. And if he made a promise to, to love and support Abraham's family, then this is the fullness of that promise, like lived out in a book. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know, that's kind but of a, another there's weird answer. One thing that I thought of when you were talking about when you were in Kenya, and they're like, why do we need more if we have the Bible? And it's like, well, why not? Like, why would you not want more? <laughs> yeah. If you value that book so much and you value what God tells you and you get so much wisdom from it, why would you not want more? And I immediately thought of 
like Scrooge McDuck, who is, you know, addicted to money. Like it's just, he lives in the bathtub or not the bath. He has that whole room that he dives in with money. There's never going to be a point where the Disney version. Yeah. The Disney version. <laughs> yes. Um, McDuck. McDuck. Yeah. yeah. Right. And he's walking down the street. There was never going to be a point where he saw a gold coin and he was like, nah, I got enough at home. He like, no, he to a fault. I mean, it was a fault. That's the moral of the story, but he, <laughs> he wanted more of it. He wanted it hoarded for himself and then so i don't think you can like and there's going to be people and i have an answer for that when they're like no you can't add to the bible well those scriptures that we're we're talking about that you pull there you're taking those out of context but why would you not want more wisdom why would you not want more communication from a god who you love who you say you love so much that you want i mean why would you limit yourself and this is from revelation 21 and it's one of my favorite scriptures, but with it being the new year, it was at the last church service I was at. It was um, on the first yesterday. Um, this was written or as the call to worship or scripture reading. Um, but I love this scripture. Revelations 21, 3 through 4. And it says, And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. And God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. It's like, why? Everyone ha- everyone who's a Christian and has the Bible believes in this verse. This is like the most exciting promise that there ever like was. You know, like all these bad things, anything bad that you experience is going to end, and all good things are going to be with you. Why would you not want to explore that side of the gospel more? Because that's what we have to look forward to. And I think the Book of Mormon and the fullness of the gospel and our vocabulary, what we use, is so clear on what that looks like. Yes, there will be sorrow. It's not a prosperity gospel where nothing bad will happen to you. But there will be a time when all that stuff is done away with. And through the Restore Gospel, we actually have a idea of what that would look like yeah, on earth for sure yeah um, and that's what the hope of zion and so that's kind of a another you know prophecy that we could fulfill in our day or days to come of you know basically the everlasting covenant and maybe having um our hearts be one again and um then zion coming and Christ returning to earth where we will have a time where there will be no pain and no sorrow and everything like that. So I think that's another distinguishing factor of what we're talking about when we do talk about the fullness is is Zion. And also, of course, um, with the fullness of the gospel that uh, we talk about, uh, that also refers to uh, the modern day revelation that we um, believe in, and that can include things like, you know, explanations on what might happen after we die, and um, that that still is not a perfect knowledge either. Yeah, um, for sure. And no one's going to know until it happens. And millions of people, billions of people, know what <laughs> happens because they've died, but um, we'll never fully know exactly what it will be like um, on Earth. And and that's not something that should trip us up because you know god is 
just and righteous and nothing is going to happen that shouldn't. Yeah. And it's better to be honest about that too. Yeah. I mean, going back to the chapter in those next verses in 15, it says, behold, I do not say that he will come among us at the time of his dwelling in his mortal tab- tabernacle for behold, the spirit hath not said unto me that this should be the case. He, he's not blowing smoke, you know, like he's, he's saying, I know this, I know this truth. You know, mm-hmm. I know that Jesus will come to earth and he will dwell among his people. And and that's important, you know, and I don't know much more than, you know, yeah. you don't know the whole story sometimes. And, and that's important for you to be honest about it because people seeking the truth will eventually find out you might fool a couple people. But And yeah, that's something like priesthood members especially need to be honest about. Absolutely, um, yeah. Is we know what the spirit has borne witness to us and that's it. Um, basically we know what the Bible says. We know what the book of Mormon says in the DNC and, um, and which doesn't necessarily use... mean we understand it all either, but sure. when we're witnessing to others or, um, you know, witnessing to those in the church as well, um, just saying that we don't know and that we do know the truth of Christ that, you know, um, everything will be just and, um, there's so much grace and, um, everything. So, yeah, I think that's something important to um, be aware of. Did you guys have anything that stuck out to you um, in in this chapter? Apart because he be- he goes on to say, um, you know, what that looks like that he will be. Um, well, first he says to cry unto this people to preach repentance. So even though that this people are fairly righteous and on the right path. Still preach repentance unto them. Make sure they are asking for a remission of their sins. And then he goes on to say that, you know, the Savior is going to be born of Mary at Jerusalem. And then he'll be the Son of God and he'll go forth and he'll suffer. But did you guys have anything that stuck out to you in these next few verses? Well, just going to what you kind of just mentioned about them crying repentance unto the people, I tend to fall into... Um, I don't know if it's a category or, or maybe just a pattern in my life where I I tend to think of uh, crying repentance or preaching, teaching repentance as being more of a repent, uh, more of a Jonah style repent, like repent or be punished, you know, like, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, that kind of deal. And as you kind of said, they're, they're righteous here and, and. It's important for me to to um, remember that repentance is improvement, you know, and, and it's something that we all always can do. You know, yeah. it's not just oh, you're doing something wrong. Repent. It's it's improve from yesterday. You know, yeah. maybe just pray one more time, or you know, it. I don't know. It's not really much of a discussion topic uh, unless you guys have something to say. It was just a note I was kind of thinking of. I have kind of a silly example on that um, a movie, the movie that came out this year, um, Spirited. Last year? Yes, the last year. Ah. <laughs> it's in twenty twenty two, the movie Spirited. It's you know Christmas movie, um, but it I I thought it, it, it there's a large interpretation that you can take of that whole movie of a very Christian message. And um, even though it's super, you know, goofy and, you know, irreverent at times, but um, 
at the end, um, there's a song about, you know, being a better man. And they basically say the whole point is, um, you know, all these spirits are haunting people on earth so that they will just flip a switch, make a change. And then they're great people. And, um, you know, one of the guys who is doing this is used to be Scrooge. And so he spoilers. I know, sorry, total spoilers. Um, but he ends up like being afraid that he's never done enough to account for his sins basically. And I thought that was a very interesting message. And at the end, um, the other character ends up spoilers dying, but they sing the song about, because at first when he kind of becomes better, they're expecting like this huge fireworks show of, Oh, I've changed. You know, I did a good thing. I, you know, everything's better now. And, um, but that didn't happen. And so the fireworks aren't going off and he's like, well, I'm going to go back to the same job and I'm going to, probably still do some bad things and the song is all about how you just take steps you just take steps to become a better man each day and that there's not a magical fix to becoming a good person and i'm like that's actually pretty wise mm-hmm. for a little uh, musical and uh, christmas musical yeah for will ferrell for boy, will ferrell and ryan deep. reynolds it's just like <laughs> Yeah, and I, I just thought, I was like, man, that you can take a very, you know, Christian message from that where, you know, if you're repenting, if you, um, you know, repentance, your prayer of repentance is not going to be a magic light show where you're, you repent and now everything's okay. You're going to have to deal with the same thing the next day. And if you can just keep stacking up days where you're just getting better then that's all that we're asking for. Um, that's all that, you know, God's asking for because we're never going to do enough. And yeah. so since we never do enough, <laughs> we're, we're counting on grace and our response to grace is just to be a good person. <laughs> like, basically. Yeah. To let him work through you yeah. wherever you can surrender fast enough. Okay. It doesn't need to be my will. It's just God's mm-hmm. will. And then, that's a hard thing to learn. And great thing about God is he knows that like he created every little gear in our head and mind and body and knows like, Oh, this is how humans work. You know, it's not, it's not mind blowing to him. Mm-hmm. He knows it. And that's just, why he gives grace. Just for clarification. We probably don't suggest that movie for children. Um, yeah, it, it is a, a bit irreverent. I, I, yeah. I'm with Jason. I kind of enjoyed it. And it, was, yeah. it was goofy, but yeah, probably not for, not, not for, not, not for little kids. kids. Yeah. But, yeah, just just to put that out there. Yeah. <laughs> not everything we talk about is an endorsement. Basics yeah. told us to watch this. <laughs> yeah. Now my child is scored. <laughs> you know, our our, our uh, examples are not all just uh, endorsements of the topic that we're talking about. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. There's also a great lesson in Tropic Thunder. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Sorry. I kind of now want to just go <laughs> and see what the lesson I can find. Hmm. No, um, yeah, I, I think that's great. And I haven't even seen the movie, but that's very much. Tropic Thunder? Uh, <laughs> spirited. <laughs> uh, um, I haven't seen that movie, but I think that's 
very something that we all need to learn, especially in the restoration where it's very much an endure to the end culture where mm-hmm. it's like, oh, you messed up. You had your conversion experience you were, or maybe you haven't even had that. You were just baptized when you're eight years old because you thought you should be. And then it's like, don't you dare mess up because you got your one shot to go under the water. And that's not mm-hmm. true either. That's not how it works. All right. You have many shots and but that that's not a taking sin lightly approach either. It's understanding, just understanding human nature and like not trying to get so down because you are going to fail. Sorry. You know, you're just yeah. gonna you're just gonna fail. You're not gonna be perfect. But that doesn't mean you don't try. You have to try. Do your best. You have to do no. your and I don't even agree with, you know, do your best and God takes care of the rest with grace and fill the grace of the gaps and all that. But you do do your best. Yep. <laughs> That's, sure. Yeah. And and there is a end goal um in thirty six after he Alma kind of tells the people that um, he he knows that they're on paths of righteousness. Um, he does say, um, uh, sorry, and he, he, talking about God, doth not dwell in unholy temples, neither can filthiness nor anything which is unclean be received into the kingdom of God. Therefore I say unto you that time shall come, yea, and it shall be at the last day that he who is filthy shall remain in his filthiness. And it doesn't say here, but those who have been washed by Jesus and, you know, I've known him, um, will be clean. Um, but, um, he says this in a a sense to awaken in themselves their duty to God, that they may walk blameless before him, um, and, and use what they've known and learned that they could be received. And he gives them a little bit of a charge. I don't know if you guys had anything here. Um, I kind of jumped over a little bit in terms of what Alma preached um, besides, you know, repent and continue to do good. Um, but he gives them a charge to stay, to remain humble and submissive and gentle, um, patient and long suffering, basically have the fruit of the spirit, which would boil down to have the spirit with, that, um, and use it. Do you guys have any thoughts before we close out? Just because Alma closes out there too, with a very much a Paul like goodbye Bert's and now may the peace of God rest upon you and upon your houses and upon your lands, upon your flocks and herds and all that you possess your women and your children, according to your faith and good works from this time forever and ever. Do you guys have any thoughts? Who do you think uh, he's talking to today? Ooh, good question. Like the terms of doing well, but still need to hear the yeah. message of repentance. Yeah. I don't know that that's a question I can answer. Because I would love to say that I'm in that room, but I think if I'm honest, then I don't see myself in that crowd. And then I would love to nominate people that I think would be in there, but I'm sure that those people would also say, I don't know if I fit in that crowd personally. So that's tough to, do you have any buddy that sticks out? Not specifically. I nominate Um, Jason Kane. (laughs) I no, also no, agree no. that yeah. he's talking to specifically Jason. Motion yeah. has passed. Jason Kane is now a member. Of <laughs> the Amma can we add a little uh, applies to you? Yeah, can we add a little footnote to this page? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to everyone's copy. He's uh, actually referring to Jason. <laughs> <laughs> no, I yeah, like like you said, I think many times we're too hard on ourselves, but at the same time, I think everyone can kind of 
tell it's pretty apparent that we're not where we're supposed to be uh and that if we can't do basic things like you know getting along not backbiting not you know just hating people or you know what whatever and and we still have all these things that uh, keep us from the presence of god um then we need to just keep the repentance part is comes before the you're doing a good job part. <laughs> yeah. Well, let me let me answer with a general term in the sense of the people of the city of Gideon didn't have it like Alma didn't come and say, you guys are good. I'm moving on. Like he still preached to them repentance. So I think the people that fit into this classification are people that are day by day growing in their faith and employing practices to get better and are on their way. And I think just like Jason said, you walk the line of being hard on yourself and you on the other side going too easy of, wow, I'm right. You know, like there's, mm-hmm. you can, you're always going to find someone that a- anyone will fit on both sides of those lines. But um, if, if you're every day waking up and saying, how can I be more like Jesus today? Then I think, it's fair to say that you could be among this type of crowd. Um, and I think it's also fair to say that you still got some work to do. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I'm not saying it's the right answer or anything, but when I, you know, I, I was thinking, man, who, who might this apply to? I, I was just thinking of the, the people who don't get much support, the, the people that don't live in probably the, independence area where there aren't very many people that they go to church with or uh, my, my my parents have uh, a couple of friends who live in Montana uh, they're I mean they're they're Big great they're, uh, yeah they're all alone you know yeah. uh, and there's lots of people like that you know not just people in the church lots of people like that they just don't have the support group around them pushing them to to uh, or, or support you know uh, whatever it may be. Yeah. I, I I agree with your answer. I mean, it, it's just whoever's pushing forward. We all have more to push to. Push, push. Just another couple small points. I always like that the confidence that Alma or you know other prophets or whoever speaks with when they're preaching because they are so um, aware when the Spirit is with them. And I think that's also very important to cultivate in your own lives of discerning spirits. And, you know, we talk about it a good amount on this podcast of discernment. But if you know that the Spirit of God is with you when you're speaking and you're being led by that on, you know, what you're preaching about or, you know, talking about, then you can just have that confidence to say, no, this is from God and that what i'm speaking is true and a lot of the thing don't take thought for the consequences of it too yeah no exactly and if you do say that without the spirit then yeah you you're judged harshly for that you you are a false teacher at that point and so yeah it's a massive responsibility but if you do have that discerning ability then you can speak with confidence. And I think that's important. Yeah. And then the only other point that I was going to make is kind of on works. Um, you know, we talk about not being able to earn your salvation, which you're not. 
um, but still doing good works. And I think works are definitely the outpouring of the spirit. And that's what it says in verse 41. And it says, and see that you have faith, hope, and charity, and then you will always abound in good works. So live in the spirit. You uh, have those fruits of the spirit, and then you'll automatically just be doing good works. So using the old transitive property, I believe what it's called is, if you don't have charity, the Bible says this, you are nothing. It also says, if you have charity, you will abound in good works. So, Mm -hmm. you know, works are a natural cause of knowing Jesus and his love. That's just what it is. It's not a, it's not a key to salvation. It's like the fruit of knowing him, which the fruit of salvation. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I really hope that, um, you can forgive us for taking a year off since August, what was it? 17th, 2021 or something like that. Yeah. Something pretty bad. It's been Um, at least a year and a half. So (laughs) sorry about that. Um, but hopefully we, kick this off and thank you very much for listening. Uh, God bless. And we will talk to you soon. Hopefully.